I will say that this is, I've never learned Tamar Nebuchadnezzar before. I think just from the introduction, I know that this is going to be extremely fascinating. And the style to learn it, yes, recording, the style to learn it is that we are going to go around so that instead of having it to be shiurim, people can read, it's translated, and we're going to discuss it all together. That's the way we're going to do it. This book, Maranavuchim, obviously was famously authored by the Rambam. The Rambam was known as one of the greatest Jewish, if not the greatest Jewish thinker of all time. He was a master of Kabbalah, Halacha, philosophy, science, etc., etc. Now the main thing to understand before you go into Maranavuchim is that the Rambam's magnum opus, you could say, is completely contradictory to Maradavuchim. What do I mean by that? Is Yad Chazaka, where the Rambam basically compiles the entire Torah, where he has the Sefer HaMitzvot. What is so revolutionary about that is that he literally takes the whole Torah, puts it into one Sefer, which is why Chabad actually has a custom to go through it. The, to do it, no, the whole year. The whole year, Chabad has a custom to learn three chapters of Rambam a day, and then you finish the whole Rambam every day. Why? Because it's a way to learn literally the whole Torah, all the halachot of the Torah in one place. So that was what the Rambam was famous for. The guide for the perplexed, Maranavuchim, is completely the opposite. Meaning that's famous for being clear, concise, the whole Torah in one place, amazing. Maranavuchim, the Rambam is coming at a time where philosophy was the most accepted way of thinking of the day. Which means, you'll see many times that in the Rambam, he's gonna speak about Aristotle like as if Aristotle is the truth. And in general, when he refers to the truth, he's talking about Aristotle's way of thinking. Why is that? You need to understand that at the time, Aristotle was the main accepted way of thinking. Like just give you an example. Today, the main, the, I would say the parallel idea that we have today that's like Aristotelian way of thinking is science. Today, if you tell any person in the street, science, science is a fact. And a lot of people come from a perspective, even very religious Jews, a lot of people come from a perspective that science is the truth, and now we have to figure out how Torah fits with science, right? Because what I just said right now about the Rambam saying Aristotle is true, you might say, how is that possible? Aristotle, like today you're like Aristotle, I don't care about Aristotle, right? Aristotle fights with the Torah, the Torah all day. But today, you see clearly that science is the same idea. If I tell you an idea in science, so just for example, right? It says in the Torah, the Rambam says it himself, but there's other places where other great sages say this, that the sun revolves around the earth. Today in science, it is obviously widely accepted that the earth revolves around the sun, right? And if you're a person who says otherwise, if anything, some people would say that's a disproof of the whole Torah. Why is that? Because science says so. Science says the earth revolves around the sun. So if the Torah says the opposite, the Torah must be disproven. That's how strong Aristotle was accepted at that time. So what the Rambam is coming with this book is he is trying to explain the contradictions between Aristotelian philosophy and the Torah. How does he do that? He does that by explaining the contradictions from the verses in Tanakh, which means the main problem that the Rambam is, is trying to solve over here is that in Tanakh many times, it gives physical attributes to God. It says God's hand, God's head, God's, it makes God sound like a massive giant sitting in the sky on a giant throne. So the main problem the Rambam is trying to solve is that philosophy does not accept that view of God. And therefore the Rambam is trying to explain to you that all of these ideas are metaphors and they're not actual reality. There's not a huge giant God sitting in the sky that if you climb up a beanstalk, he's gonna be sitting there. It's a, it's a metaphor for something else. God is way beyond that. 
Now, the reason why this is such a fascinating safer and why I was like, you know, a little bit uh, hesitant before learning it is because the Rambam clearly states himself. In this book, he is revealing secrets about Maisa Barashas and Maisa Merkava. There were times that people were very against the Rambam for this because it clearly says these are secrets of the Torah that are not meant to be revealed. And if they are meant to be revealed, they're definitely not meant to be revealed in a public setting. They're meant to be revealed for very specific people in very specific situations. And the Rambam is coming and he's revealing this in this Sefer. So many people were against this. And the Rambam comes and says even that he wants this Sefer to be studied. Who is the perplexed that the Rambam is talking about when he says the perplexed? He doesn't mean today, which I've actually heard this many times. Sometimes people will say, oh, if somebody's going off the derech, let's give him more nevuchim and it will get him. He's perplexed because he's going off the derech and then he won't be perplexed anymore. No, no, no. The Rambam is writing this to a student who was extremely proficient. He was a massive Talmud Chacham in Torah and in philosophy, which means we're talking about somebody who is a freak genius, a total amazing scholar. That is who the Rambam designed Bar Nevochim for. For somebody, which means today, again, if you're giving parallel terms, somebody today who would be a huge Torah scholar and a huge scientist, which we do have many like that today, somebody who's proficient in both fields, that is who the Rambam is speaking to. He's speaking to somebody who has a fantastic head. And the Rambam, how did he make sure, which is fascinating over here, how did he make sure that people would keep to this? Which, right, because we're sitting here, we're saying we're going to learn more of It clear as the Rambam said that I don't want this to happen. I want this to be one student to learn it. He's saying it's a very powerful safer with very powerful stuff. I want it to be in a very specific situation. So what did he do to ensure that it would never be abused? What he did is, is he basically laid booby traps. And I'm not joking. He basically designed Moranavuchim in a way that only somebody who is brilliant would be able to understand it. So the reason I'm saying that before is that it's very possible that we will realize after one, two or three weeks that we are not this brilliant person. (laughs) But we are going to attempt to do it anyways. Which I'm just going to give you right now. The Rambam says himself, and I'm going to read his words. If you desire to grasp all that is contained in this book, so that nothing shall escape your notice, consider the chapters in connected order. In studying each chapter, do not content yourself with comprehending its principal subject, but attend to every term mentioned therein, although it may seem to have no connection with the principal subject. Which means, how does a person make a book? Right, there's a table of contents, this is the chapter, then you know when you open up the chapter, okay, this is what the chapter's about. The Rambam is saying, I designed it completely the opposite. Why? to confuse the people that are trying to learn this text and learn it for the wrong reasons. It basically takes a very attentive eye, which by the way, I'm not even joking, it's very good that we have Ruby here. If we did not have Ruby here, I think we'd miss the whole thing. It takes an attention to detail. Seriously, it takes an attention to detail to be able to realize, to not lose, don't just focus, like a lot of people, you read a book, you just say, oh, that's the subject, and then the whole chapter, you're like, blah, 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 blah. The summary. The Rambam is saying it's exactly, you have to look in the haystack to find the points that I'm trying to bring. As he continues, for what I have written in this work was not the suggestion of the moment. It is the result of deep study and great application. These principles permit a deviation from the rules that usually apply. Were necessary to preserve and uphold the faith and for the sake of heaven. Which he's basically saying, again, I'm explaining my separation, my Merkava. Those are two considered very esoteric topics. You're not allowed to explain them. And the Rambam said, therefore, I put it this way. So that it wouldn't just be available to everybody. And then I'd be going against what the Torah wants. Why did he write it then? The Rambam felt there was no choice but to commit the explanations offered by the guide to writing for the sake of those who were perplexed and distressed by the seeming contradictions between the Torah and scientific wisdom. 
The Rambam basically said, which is something, again, we have very prevalent today, is that the Rambam realized that there was great men. There was men of very high caliber, that because of how intelligent they were, they were becoming perplexed. And he said, I'm going to explain to you to solve your perplexed issues. I'm going to explain to you these issues, which means we're not talking about a lazy person. We're not talking about a person who went off the derech because he had trauma from school or something. We're talking about somebody who with his head, with his intellectual capacity, caused him to be confused and to become perplexed in his life. His endeavor is undertaken for the sake of heaven in order to extend and increase true faith, which again, we're talking about somebody who has good intentions, meaning somebody who really wants to find the answer in a true and real way. There's many times today, there's people who are perplexed, who are very smart, but they're not looking for the answers. They're looking to ask. They're looking to object. Over here, we're talking about somebody who really wants to find the real truth. So in the end, the Rambam decided to write it, but in camouflage. So now I just want to tell you seven booby traps that he puts in the book before we start. The text sometimes includes a range of opinions of different people whose views differ, but their names are omitted such that it appears as though all of these views were the opinion of the writer himself, which means he'll write down a bunch of different views. He's not going to tell you who wrote them. And then you'll have no idea who the author is. And the Rambam expects someone smart enough will know which one was him. That's number one booby trap. Number two, sometimes the author changes his mind about something such that some of the things he writes contradict other things, which means he intentionally is contradicting himself because he says the person who is, I'm writing this to will know. Which again, by the way, just to tell you, you have to realize like how unbelievable. It's not like the Rambam. Sometimes you'll say, okay, because maybe if you're listening to this, you might say to yourself, okay, maybe the Rambam, God forbid to say, but maybe he was a bad author. Maybe he's just a confused man, which by the way, people who people do say that. People read Marna Vuchim, and I've seen this online, where they say it's the rambling writings of a, of a crazy man. Now, he didn't know what he was talking about. We know from the Yad HaZaka, that's why I mentioned it before. We know from the Rambam's other writings that he was a brilliant man who not only didn't have that issue, he was the greatest of all time at putting the whole Torah into one clear, concise Sefer. He has all the 613 mitzvot, all the halachas. He put in one Sefer clear for any random Chabad guy to learn it in one year, every year. That's how simple he made it, right? You can literally sit on your couch every night in English, three chapters, boom, the whole Torah. So he was brilliant at making things clear and concise. But over here, he's intentionally laying this book in a way that only the right person will be able to figure it out. The third trap that he places, the third maze that he puts, is sometimes part of what is written is not meant to be understood literally. Therefore, it may appear contradictory. Sometimes it is necessary to attach to one of the seemingly contradictory statements a condition or reservation which is not stated explicitly. Meaning, he's basically assuming that when you're reading this book, that you have certain hanachas before, you have certain understandings before, and we don't know what they are. He did not give out the key. That was the whole point. He did not give out the key to figure out this maze. He expected the person who, who learned it to be able to know it themselves. And the reason I'm saying this to us before is that we should know, by the way, for this half an hour, we could switch it out because it is something which maybe we should pick something more simple. And I just thought this was very interesting, even if we just do it for one or two weeks, just to know how incredible the safer is. It is sometimes necessary to explain the profound matter in a simple, even distorted way when it is presented for the first time. Which means when he takes a very deep idea, he may explain it in a way that seems completely bizarre because that idea is the one he's trying to protect the most. He doesn't want the person to just take it at face value. He wants the person to know if they don't understand, basically. That's the whole point. If you're wondering, oh, maybe someone's gonna take the wrong conclusion out. He wants that if the person is not worthy, they will leave and say, I didn't understand. Why does he do that? Which we were just speaking about this today. 
If you open up your Gemara and you look in the front of the Gemara, part of the cover, it's not even one of the pages, part of the cover of the Gemara is a Yehi Ratzon. This Yehi Ratzon is saying, I want to ask God and beseech God that when I'm going to learn today, I'm going to come to the proper conclusions so that I don't learn halacha wrong. That's the Yehi Ratzon you're supposed to say before you start learning. What the Rambam wants with his book is that nobody could come out with the wrong conclusion. Either you're going to walk out of it and say, I didn't get what was flying whatsoever, and therefore you won't come out and say the wrong conclusion. Or, if you're the person that he's writing to, you'll get the right conclusions. The sixth trap is that sometimes two statements are not obviously contradictory, and the discord becomes apparent only after careful study. Which means that sometimes at face value, it would look like the statements are not arguing with each other, but if you learn more, then you'll be able to see that they're contradicting each other. And the author simply failed to notice this contradiction. Here, we're going to end off quoting the Rambam in his own words. Seventh trap that he puts, and then we're going to dive into it. It is sometimes necessary to introduce such metaphysical matters as may partly be disclosed, but must partly be concealed. While therefore, on one occasion, the object that the author has in view may demand that the metaphysical problem be treated as solved in one way, it may be convenient on another occasion to treat it as solved in the opposite way. The author must endeavor by concealing the fact as much as possible to prevent the uneducated reader from perceiving the contradiction. Which means, we're talking about metaphysical ideas here, right? Who understands what metaphysical means? I don't really. <laughs> there's, actually a, there's actually a philosopher who said, by the way, very interesting. He said, in the 21st century, the world is either going to be metaphysical or it's not going to be. Which is interesting because now we have the whole metaverse, whatever, and it's pretty, it's pretty spot on. He said this in 1960. He was a French philosopher. I forgot his name. He said, it's either going to be metaphysical or it's not. So the Rambam is saying is that to solve these metaphysical problems, he'll sometimes put opposite solutions. And somebody who's reading it properly will be able to see which one is the right one. And somebody who's not reading it properly won't even realize that they're contradicting each other. He'll just think that they're the same thing. Okay? So who has, does everybody have the Mormon of Uchum on their phone? Freelander? No, so the, be- the simplest one I would say is the Safaria. Yeah, that is Safaria. The Safaria. Okay. I don't have any service. Oh, here we go. So, which, which part? Introduction? Introduction? What part? Is it I just got. Yeah, where, where? Right here. <laughs> where are you starting from? Let's start from the beginning. Right? It's like, I'm looking here. Yeah, there's, look, page one. There's a translation introduction. No, 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 no. This no, 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 no,
One more part before we start, which he's going to explain over here that I want to say it's very important, is that the way that he does all this, I made it sound very, very, very complex. But the basic way, it is, but the basic way that he goes about solving all of these issues is he is focusing on the language of the Tanakh. That's what he's trying to do. He is focusing on analyzing and explaining the language of the Tanakh. That is his main solution to solve all of these issues. So really what Mordevuchim is, is a focus and an analytical explanation on exactly the proper lexicon or language that they have in the Tanakh. That's what he's doing. Okay? Safari or for me is not working. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, you don't have internet. No, no, it's the app. I actually got was getting... getting I'm going to that also. You have it? Go for that also. Okay. So you actually you want to start reading? Because I feel like it's good. We go over reading. I'm not talking the whole time. In English or in English? I thought you were going to share. Do you want me to read it? I don't want to read it. It'll be fine. Okay. So here it says like this. If we're doing the shear, do you guys prefer that I just read the English or the Hebrew as well? And then what time do we go to the Turba? 11? No, in eight minutes. Turba's in eight minutes. Prefatory remarks. Click on introduction and then prefatory remarks is the subcategory. It's fine. Everyone will get it. Everyone will get it. If you didn't get it, let's just get started, Rabbi. I want to hear a little bit. Okay. Here is the Rambam's Prefatory remarks himself. We quoted him a bunch just now, but here is his own remarks. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. This is from Tehillim. Again, another quote. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. Another quote. Bow down your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. These are the three verses the Rambam starts off with. My primary objective in this book is to explain certain words that we see in the Tanakh. Of these, some are homonyms, and, and of their several meanings, the ignorant choose the wrong ones. Meaning some of them are metaphorical words. They're not saying literally God's heart, God's hand, God's head. They're metaphorical, and then people are coming and saying the wrong interpretation. Other terms which are employed in a figurative sense are erroneously taken by such persons in their primary signification, which he basically means, like we just said, that you're taking God to mean a physical body, which is clearly not, which by the way, you also have to realize, the fact that today, which is another thing I saw in the introduction that was very well said, that the fact that today that we have this is obvious. Everybody who reads the Tanakh knows God is not a giant sitting in the heavens. That's only because we are today. We're after Maranavuchim hundreds of years. It's only because of all the education that it became natural to us that we know God is not a giant. We know that he's a spiritual being. What? Like a little bit. Right? Little a little bit. Yeah. More complicated though. This is more complicated. Yeah. This is more difficult. Um... So the fact that that's obvious to us, like maybe you might say, oh, the fact that Rambam is saying that God is not a physical person, you might be like, duh. You know, obviously I don't imagine a giant. That was not duh when the Rambam wrote this. People were thinking, maybe God's a physical being. Maybe he's a huge man who lives in the mountains. We don't know what he is. So maybe he's in space. What the Rambam is saying, the fact that this is not obvious 
It's because of Moran Avuchim where he's coming and explaining these things. Umehem mishalim v'yichu gamkin kafir inyan harishon asharishalo mimenu. Umehem misafkin pam yechoshe behem sheim yomu baaskama u pam yechoshe behem sheim mishtatfim. Ve'ein akavana b'maimer hazeh la'avinam kulam la'hamayin v'loy la'maschilim be'iyun v'loy la'lamed mishlo ya'in rak b'chach mazatayra. Ritzayni loy mar talmuda ki inyan ha'maimer hazeh kuloy v'kol mashahu mimenu. There are also hybrid terms denoting things which are of the same class from one point of view and have a different class from another. It is not here intended to explain all these expressions to the unlettered or to mere tyros, which basically is saying to unlearned people. It is not my intention to write this safer for them. A previous knowledge of logic and natural philosophy being indispensable, which means knowing Aristotelian philosophy, the Rambam is saying is essential to know before learning the safer or to those who confine their attention to the study of our holy law. Which means either the Rambam is saying you have to be a massive Tamil Chacham, or you have to be massive in philosophy. If you are neither, this Sefer will be very difficult for you. Which is, which is us. <laughs> and then, um, or to those who confine the attention to the holy study, I mean the study of the can- canonical law alone, for the true knowledge of the Torah is the special aim of this and similar works. Okay. Which means he's talking about somebody who learns Torah the proper way. Meaning he actually went to a place where he knows he's learning it the right way, not just somebody who claims to know. Which basically means the Rambam says, like we said before, he said we're talking about a guy who is a true Torah scholar, but he also is somebody who, who loves wisdom. He loves intellect, which really today, if we bring a practical example, a scientist. If you ever met somebody who's, you know, in the world, I know in Miami, they have a huge Torah and science conference where you have all these guys who are professors and scientists. It's unbelievable conference. And these guys who are geniuses, literally there's a guy who's a rocket scientist that was there with a full beard and everything. And they're geniuses in science and they're geniuses in the Torah. And they come and they talk about the ideas. That's who the Rambam is describing. Somebody who really is a brilliant man, not somebody who just has questions, who loves knowledge, who loves wisdom, who's smart enough to be able to discern what's true or not. And philosophy is pulling him in the other way, which like I said, today the best example is science. And it's not a simple thing. Like it's not just obvious. I've literally heard many times people will say, God forbid, that a disproof to the Torah is the fact that the earth goes around, that the, the, the Torah claims that the earth is the center of revolving of the sun. People say that's a disproof to the whole Torah. What the Rambam is saying over here is exactly to these people who are philosophers who are losing their path in the Torah because of the philosophy. We're going to stop in about 30 seconds. So he says, So the words, the language of the Tanakh is what is confusing them because they don't understand how God is being explained as a physical being and they don't understand it in their mind. And therefore they remain perplexed. So this person gets so perplexed that he decides he's going to remove himself from the Torah because he doesn't get it anymore. And he's a guy who respects knowledge and he decides this is not for me. Or at least, even if he doesn't go fully away from the Torah, it causes damage in his emunah. 
because he's somebody who appreciates knowledge and science so much that when they contradict each other, he doesn't understand how the Torah could contradict something which he sees as a reality. And it bothers him. He can't serve God the same way. He can't pray to a God where he says, intellectually, I don't understand what's going on. Ah, for he would then be left with all these mistakes which give rise to fear and anxiety, constant grief and great perplexity. That the person will remain in this perplexing state. The Rambam is saying, I am here to explain to them what is going on. We're going to stop here today with Mar Nebuchim. Next week, I think also, um, if we continue with Mar Nebuchim, which we will, we'll sit around the table maybe and it'll be easier that we'll discuss it in that type of setting. Now we're going to go, and then we'll end off with the Shia and Parsha at the end. Now we're going to go to Tzorba Merabanam. This safer, what? If I need to get more, oh, yeah? I'll get more. So this safer, just saying, everybody is going to learn um, in Chavusa because it's literally like you're going to be amazed. This is an unbelievable safer. It's so well done, you can't even like it. It's amazing. Don't worry about it. It's amazing. Maybe we'll have the author of the safer come in one day. I can have him. Yeah. It'll be a Hebrew shear though. Yeah. The author, the guy who puts the safer together. Yeah, by the way, also another tip. We have an hour and 15 minutes left. Another tip that I learned in Yeshiva is if you feel yourself getting a little spacey or it's too long, whatever, take five, ten minute break and come back in. It's much, you know, refresh yourself. It's good to take breaks. Yeah, take five. Which is not too much, yeah. This is all recording stuff. Amazing.